Hope everyone had a great night last night uh, watching that Oilers game. I don't think you did, but that's the way it goes. Uh, Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. We're doing things a little differently off the top here, but that's what happens when things are shaking and baking. Um, the Oilers were not shaking and baking last night in the first period. That is a definite fact. Uh, Oilers lose 6-3 in Carolina. Dropped to 5-12-1. 11 points still on the season. So far out of a playoff spot, it is not in sight. Let's not even talk about playoffs. That is a far, far sniff. It is so far away, don't even worry about it. Worry about, as we said yesterday, worry about Minnesota. Worry, well, worry about Nashville until Nashville beats Calgary last night. So right now, just worry about Minnesota. Minnesota is the team in front of you. They have three points more than you. The Oilers are at 11. Minnesota is at 14 with a game in hand. That's what you worry about. Don't worry about copper bust. Don't worry about anything like that. Let's just worry about one thing, and that is catching Minnesota first. Take it from there. How about you play each shift like it's your last, like you did in the third period? That is the key to moving forward. Play like it's your last shift. Do you, do you know why a certain generation of Oiler fans fell in love with this team from the 96, 97, 98, 99 era. The reason they fell in love with these teams and set up a whole new generation of Oiler fans is the fact that that, those teams in that period worked their bags off. Those teams worked every shift. In a salary cap era that was not a salary cap era, they had to. They had to do that to compete with Colorado and Dallas, where the payrolls were double. The players that you fell in love with from that era, like Kelly Buckberger, like Todd Marchant, like Ryan Smith, like Bill Guerin, like uh, Rem Murray, like Mike Greer, all of those guys, Yanni Ninema, those are the guys that failed to never, ever stop working. They worked absolutely every shift. You saw that in the third period last night. That's exactly what the Oilers did in the third period. Played each shift like it was their last. But when you dig a hole that's 4 nothing, it's pretty hard to come out of it. If you ever have a chance, go on the old interweb and check things out from last night's Boston Bruins game. Of course, it's the Bruins road trip uh, with their fathers. So the Bruins are, you know, they're on the road with their dads. And I mean, is there anything better? So coach Jim Montgomery of the Boston Bruins addresses his team before the game and says, you know, you're all here because of your dads. You're here because of your dad. Now, your dad didn't really expect you to get here. There's no way a father expects a son to make the NHL when he's a young kid. You know, expectations certainly differ as you move on. Have a look at his speech because it's quite amazing. All he says is that your dad, all he expected of you is a second and third effort. That's it. That's all he did. Everything else fell into place second and third effort. You saw that in the third period. The Oilers, you play like that in the third period and you are going to be just fine. But you have to do that all the time. 
simple. Very simple. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. I think we can hear us on the radio. Could we hear it at the start too? I hope not. After I did that soliloquy, it was a pretty good one, Duke. Because I don't want to have to go over it again. <laughs> we got uh, we got your good opening soliloquy good. on the record, Kev. All right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go over that again. Um, we just had a couple technical difficulties off the top here. So uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Copro Evolution says, Kevin and Duke, do you think Holland is happy he made the coaching change? Well, first off, Ken Holland did not make the coaching change. 100% had his stamp is not on this. This is all, all Jeff Jackson, all of it. Uh, maybe it had to be made from Compro Evolution, uh, but I don't feel their replacement has the personality for what this team truly required. They need some fire and grit behind the bench. Knobloch may be a good coach, but not for this team at this time. Unless he gets them into the playoffs, he will never be accepted by the fans. Uh, Holland has made mistake after mistake on key positions for this team. So very sad to see what has happened. So, I mean, right now this team has the second worst say percentage through 18 games since 2005. So since 2005, Duke uh, just got a text coming in. So the Stingray app is not playing or no sound. So just so you know that, I don't know if something, if something with the, the board there. Um, so since 2005, that's 18 years. The only team to have a worse save percentage through 18 games is Seattle, an expansion team, <laughs> a couple years ago. A couple more, a couple years ago. 863, that's what the orders are since 2005. The Duke is working on a few technical difficulties. Uh, thanks, Darren, for sending that in. Uh, the Stingray app is not playing or no sound, but uh, we are trying to rectify some technical difficulties right now. Hmm. <laughs> I know the Oilers lost, but this is a bit more than a moment of silence. (laughs) So maybe I should start from the beginning. I don't know. Uh, Let's start from the beginning. So if I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure if the board was hopping and humming right off the hop. But we're good to go now, Duke. So Oilers lose last night 6-3. Empty net goal again. That's the way it goes when you're playing catch-up. So drop to 5-12-1, 11 points out of a playoff spot. But the third period, they had a great third period. They played hard. They played with passion, emotion, intensity, urgency. They played every shift like it was their last shift. Which leads me to think about the teams back in, you know, 96, 97, 98, 99. What that those teams did back then, they spurred on a whole new generation of Oiler fans because let's be honest, from 93 to 4 to 96 in that period, it wasn't a lot of fun around here. It was it was bad. We all heard, knew what was going on, trying to sell the team, Les Alexander in Houston, and what's what's going to, is the team leaving? Does anyone care? There's 10,000, you know, seats that are filled in the, at, uh, old, at the old Coliseum. No one's going to the game. No one cares. The glory days are over. But 96, 97, 98, 99 in that area, Ron Lowe comes in, fire, passion. 
he gets these guys to play every shift, every game, like it's their last. And what do they do? They compete. They competed with all the high-salary teams like Dallas and Colorado and Detroit, every one of them. The Oilers competed with those teams. And a new generation of Oiler fans was born because they loved watching these guys. They loved watching Kelly Buckberger. They loved watching Todd Marchand, Ryan Smith. And then, you know, you get Doug Waite, Bill Gary, and you got guys that are super talented and playing just as hard as all those other guys, like Rem Murray and Yanni Ninema, Sean Brown. Guys like this are playing hard all the time. And everyone loved it. Everyone, Oiler fans that were on the out came back and new Oiler fans were born. But we haven't seen that this year. We've, we have not seen where you're playing each shift like it's your last one. We haven't. We saw it in the third period last night. Wasn't it fun to watch? It was exciting. You, you felt like they really, really cared. Stair Farmer chimes in. My Good morning. My 5-3 guess was close. It's so sad. The Oilers look like a bottom 10 team against Carolina. Uh, all of our... Uh, thank you so much, Jana, Darren, uh, Matt, uh, John, uh, Compro, all these people texting in to just say we were having a couple uh, technical difficulties off the hop. Thank you very much. I think we are all rectified and good to go. The goals last night... I mean, even when Zach Hyman scores the power play goal to make it 4-1. So now you still have some life after a terrible period. You have you have some life. You have 40 minutes. You have 40 minutes left. But you come out and you give up a goal early in the second where there are four guys surrounding the blue paint and Marty Natchez is right in the middle of them. And, and your goaltender, Cal Pickard, who relieved... Stu Skinner in the first period already made one save. So he got his own rebound. Now, at that point, it's 5-1. And like that goal is just so befuddling. It does not make any sense at the pro level after what you've seen in the first period. No one can, like that is just poor execution, poor awareness, poor evaluation, poor everything. 5-1. Game over. Actually, you know what? Like uh, uh, Bunting missed the open net. That could have been 6-1. There was an offside goal, which is offside goal. That was 6-1. But again, now Ekholm scores late in the second period, a shorthanded goal, and you still have a sniff. You're still around. A massive hole. And you played hard. You came out in the third period and played so hard. And that was great to watch. It was great to see that you have it in you. Came out hard. Hyman makes it 5-3. And you still have 16 minutes left. You have a little power play, a little power play, and not a lot of momentum created off of it. But still, after that, come out hard again. You have chances. Fogel's got a great chance. Kachetkov comes out with that big Dick Malinowski poke check. Super play by the goaltender for Carolina. Uh, James Hamlin had a couple of chances. And... I, I, I don't really harp on the refing, but it was garbage again last night. Those refs uh, last night, John A. Bear, Eric Furlat, were garbage. Uh, the calls that were made, some calls that weren't. The standard was set, and it wasn't set properly, and the standard that they set was not upheld. 
so anyway, it's 6-3. The refing, that's not why they lost the game. 5-12-1. The Oilers uh, in dire need of a win tomorrow on uh, Black Friday in Washington for an afternoon game. Everything looked okay in the first period, but then you give up the four goals. And the first goal, I mean, <laughs> that's just bad luck, bad luck. The second goal, Matthias Ekholm has to shoot the puck, get the puck deep. He can't piddle around with it inside the blue line. Even if Connor Brown doesn't blow a tire, he's not getting back on a two-on-one. You know, that's two goals in, what, 35, 40 seconds? It's 2 nothing again. And you got zero confidence. They have zero confidence right now, none. I mean, after the game, you heard them say, well, we played loose. We had nothing to lose in the third. Well, you got so how about, you have nothing to lose right now. Start that. Start the first period like that. Broberg soft behind the net on the third goal. Uh, puck squirts out. Tara Vining scores. It's 3 nothing. So um, three goals in just over two minutes. And then, you know, probably should have been a penalty called on um, um, Chatfield behind the net. Connor McDavid sort of... Uh, I don't know, minor slew foot could have been called, a trip could have been called, a couple of things. But uh, on the rush, Jarvis scores. That's it for Stu Skinner. Again, Oilers with their worst, the second worst, pardon me, save percentage through 18 games. Second worst save percentage since 2005. 863 after 18 games. Only Seattle worse uh, as an expansion team a couple of years ago. So I think we got all of that out and out of the way, and I'm glad you stuck with us through a little couple of technical difficulties. Uh, we've got some texts coming in. Um, Ranting Rob, hey, Kevin, were the Oilers uh, that went to the conference finals a one-trick pony? Has everyone figured them out? Well, I think we talked about that the last few days, Rob. Absolutely everything that has gone wrong with this team was 100% right last year. Connor McDavid, career year. Leon Dreisaitl, career year. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, career year. Zach Hyman, career year. Those are four horses pulling pretty hard that are giving you a chance to win every night. Add in when he was healthy. I mean, Evander Kane contributed a lot. On defense, Evander Bouchard came in for Tyson Berry in the power play. Didn't miss a beat. In fact, was probably better. Added another dimension. Well, and then, I mean, you look at, so a career year for Bouchard. Power play, one for three on the season basically 33 point or 32.4% unheard of territory penalty kill very good goaltending Stu Skinner Calder nominee that's eight nine things right there all of those give them a 10 out of the 10 all of those are below five every one of them is below five so all of those things you add them all up and you are where you are right now because it wasn't sustainable but <laughs> if out of the 10 things that we just talked about Get four or five of them that are sustainable. Now you're okay. You're still trying to figure things out. All right, let's take a breath here. Uh, coming up on the big program today, it's American Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to all our American listeners, and we've got a lot of them down in the States that are checking us uh, in on several apps and things like that. Um Aaron Bordado from uh, Pre-Gaming with Bordzi. There's a nickname. We'll have to talk to Bordzi about his nickname. Uh, we were uh, chatting with uh, a few of our guests last night and uh, David Schlemko yesterday on that. Uh, he'll check in at 7.20 from Oilers Nation. Ladislav Schmid, our guest host, guest uh, co-host every Thursday uh, from 8 to 10. And then Mark Spector's jumping on a plane in about, uh, he's about 10.40, I believe, uh, our time. So... 
or their time, whatever time it is. But he's going to be okay at 8 o'clock. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff is uh, at 8.20. We hope, we think we have Lawal Uguak, Great Cup champion, Harry Ainley Titan. That sounds just groovy, doesn't it? Uh, and Michelle Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News. Wanted to throw this one other ditty out here before we go to break. And this has just sort of kind of been hush-hush, I guess, a little bit. I don't know how much hush-hush. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. But I believe the Edmonton Elks are holding a meeting this morning, a shareholders meeting. And I think that meeting is coming up in the next hour. And... Several topics. Obviously, the franchise does not like where it is right now. But this shareholders meeting is about to explore various possibilities. One of those possibilities, I believe, would be to explore ownership opportunities. Of course, the Elks have been a community-owned franchise. So what kind of ownership opportunities are there? The possibilities also of, of a cash injection you know this all comes down to dollars the the elks have been losing money for the last several seasons a lot of money they've had a little kitty they've had the stabilization fund but they've been dipping into that a lot uh so you remember the oilers copper jackets uh they had that kind of roll out several years ago like over 20 years ago maybe there's something similar that can come into play here maybe double e green and gold jackets but right now this franchise is not healthy. It needs help. Uh, whether that comes with private ownership, how that would work, does the private owner, and you, I don't have to say the name who you're thinking about, where would the team play? Does the team, is, an, is another stadium a possibility? There, there's so many things that can come into play, but I'm told that there is a shareholder meeting with the Edmonton Elks this morning. All right, when we come back, Bordzi, Bordzi. Aaron Bordado from Oilers Nation. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. We are good to go, smoking hot, and uh, time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the uh, Road Ready sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do Applies. We welcome in Aaron Bordado, uh, the pregame host, pregaming with Bordzi on Oilers Nation. Good morning, Bordzi. Hey, nice to be here, Kevin. I uh, <laughs> my first time hopping on the show with you guys. I think I've declined Douglas pretty much every time he asked. Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna come hang out and about. <laughs> 20 minutes into that game, I instantly regretted my decision. So, yeah, but happy to be here, Kev. Uh, so what time do you normally get up, Bordzi? Not at 7 o'clock, do you? Well, <laughs> I'm a grinder, Kevin. Oh. I do Leafs morning take as oh, well. Okay. I produce that so show. You're up that at 5, 6 goes, in the morning then. That one goes live at 9 a.m. Oh, our time. Okay. So I have to prep. Before that, I do Oilers Nation every day. I do pregame and I do after dark. Well. I'm going all day, all night long. You could and what be. a year to decide to do all that. <laughs> you know what? I kind of feel the same way with you, Bordzi, because as you know, I was in TV for 33 years. I come on radio in the morning, and the bullets are flying right off the hop since day one. And I'm like, is this really what I signed up for? I thought like this was going to be the easy year about talking 
about the Oilers because everyone was so positive and so, uh, you know, the expectations were so high and the team was going to deliver. What's been the reaction, I guess, from your perspective uh, with Oilers Nation? Well, first off, I've had all kinds of people blame me because I must be the, uh, the deciding factor since I started doing these shows. It hasn't gone the way we wanted, but um, honestly, man, every single game, it's such a roller coaster of what you're going to get from the nation citizens in our YouTube chat going on and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Last night was another great example of it. We have it going during the game and guys during the game, we're saying, Aaron, just start the show right now. We've seen this movie. We know how this game ends. And very much because of that is why we didn't, because I said, yeah, I know this team. I bet they're going to do something in the third, and they're going to give me just that little bit of hope, just that little bit of belief just to make you come back on Friday and watch again. <laughs> but it's been a tough year, Kev. It's been a tough year. I think uh, I speak for a lot of people in Oilers Nation land. Mm -hmm. But there's a big statistic, right? If you're not in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, it is incredibly difficult to get into one. And I don't know if you checked the date today, but yep. it's American Thanksgiving today, and we are definitely not in a playoff spot. You know, and they have a, a game tomorrow where, you know, those odds could increase if you're going to take it by one day or whatever. But Washington's playing very well right now. One again last night, I think five in a row for the Capitals. What, I mean, everyone tries to have an answer for this team. Again, in the third period, if they can play like they did in the third period, they wouldn't be in this position right now. So the question is, and if you hear what Ryan Nugent Hopkins said after the game last night, well, we know what it takes to play that way in the third period. But how come you don't know what it takes to play that way all the time? Like, I know it's such a cliche to be like, you need a full 60 minutes and all that. But I said, hockey is a game of cliches. And it's it's crazy that you can, like, for example, the first game against Tampa and the first one against Florida we get the hot start that we've been looking for, that we've lacked for most of the year. We get out to two goal leads. You're like, oh, man, you get a third one. You can't help but feel that this one might be, it might be more than over right here. Then we allow them to get back in. We can't keep our foot on the pedal. And then it comes back. And then yesterday, it's the reverse of that. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get a quick start. Before you know it, boom, 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 boom. We're down 4 nothing. Stuart Skinner's yanked out of the net. And I thought Calvin Pickard was honestly mm -hmm. pretty borderline. He was good, borderline great last night. He only allowed one goal, I believe 13 saves on 14 shots. So you got to like that. I don't really – it's tough, man, because I got to do the After Dark show like yeah. right after the game. And emotions are high. I don't have time to process. Mm -hmm. So I get all over the place. But I saw this great tweet the other day from a girl, Kennedy's Trash, we work with. And she said, once the Oilers fixed their power play and their penalty kill and their 5v5 and their odd man rushes and their goalie issues, then you'll all see. <laughs> and man, that one, that one is, that's so accurate. It hurts. Well, the team right now, as we speak with uh, Aaron Bordado, the uh, Oilers Nation uh, pregame host, pregaming with Bordy, Bordzy, pardon me. Who gave you the nickname Bordzy, by the way, Aaron? Uh, just one of my buddies, uh, yeah. it's Aaron Bordado. It kind of writes itself. Yeah, I feel it like does. you could throw S-Y on the back of pretty much any nickname yes. and turn it into a hockey nickname. So, yeah. We talked about that yesterday. What it, Basically, what nicknames are now is you shorten long names and lengthen short names, correct? Yeah. No, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 
in, you did mention the goal by Calvin Pickard. So he allowed one goal. That goal, that again, another microcosm of where the Oilers are this year. You're still in the game. You, you get a goal at the end of the first period on the power play by Zach Hyman. But then early in the second, you give up a, just a totally egregious goal uh, by Marty Neches, where you have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Cody Ceci, and Brett Kulak. All, all of them around the net, but not Right in, like right in the middle of those four guys is Marty Neches, and Cal Pickard made one save already. He makes the first save, doesn't uh, can't make the second one. But why is it that the the massive errors, the, the errors that you see so so blatant, can't be fixed because we see them every game. You know, and that's the thing is we thought it was a coaching thing, so we made the coaching change, and then I still see now. The exact same issues are happening. So I'm sorry, Woody. I apologize. Hand up. I think <laughs> we were wrong as Edmontonians. But um, that goal specifically, Kev, like I lost my mind watching that one last night. I went off last night on After Dark. If you look at like the screenshot of that moment, there is a perfect four-man box, a mini penalty kill right there in front of the net. Nobody decides to take Marty Neches. How does nobody communicate? Like, if you're not going to do it yourself, how does nobody communicate? Look over your shoulder and say, you know that high danger area right there in front of the net? Yeah, we should probably get a guy on that. If you can't do it, you tell somebody else to. But the messed up part, more so than that, is that he was able to get a shot off get his own rebound, and then still bury that one with everybody puck-watching and looking around. I'm a big Brett Kulak guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he was useless on that play right there. That is just – isn't that just like a microcosm yeah. of what the Oilers season has been? Defensive lapses in your own end and just back-breaking goals. Like you said, we're starting to get back in that game. We got some momentum. Third period, I don't know what Nobby said – in that intermission there, but we came out from the moment the third period started and we're buzzing mm-hmm. during the game. It's tough. You just cannot allow these back breaking goals. And like, am I surprised we lose when you see goals like that allowed? Nope, not at all. Aaron Bordado, pro uh, pre-gaming with Bordzi on Oilers Nation is our guest on Sports 1440. So, and I don't know if you heard my little rant off the top, uh, Bordzi, but just the fact that, uh, of a, of a, you know, a, a new group, uh, a new group of Oiler fans were born from 96 to whatever, 2000 and whatever, because those teams worked so hard. They worked their bags off. And we talked about guys like Buckberger, Marshawn, Greer, go down, down the list. That's how the Oilers played in the third period last night. And I, I would, would you say if, if you, if you, took the pulse of Oilers Nation on your show and, you know, doing stuff, you know, pre-game, post-game, mid-game, as you were saying, would you th- would you say that Oilers fans wouldn't be totally, I guess, unhappy with the, to- with the result, with a win or a loss, because sometimes it doesn't go your way. But if you play like with all your heart, all your soul, like they did in the third period, would Oilers fans say, you know what, I'm okay with that? They played as hard as they could. Would you get that from Oilers Nation? Yeah, so I always say that I lead the league in loser talk because that's just simply when you do a post-game show and you keep losing games, you get a lot of that. But 
Like Jamal Mayers, he said it last night. He said, win or lose, you found something here in the third period. You found a formula. You found a blueprint. It's crazy. I don't know if you know, but you can't score if you don't shoot. And in the third period, the Oilers were throwing him on net, getting rebounds, keeping it low, getting tip jobs. Once again, shocker, it's Zach Hyman, mm-hmm. the man who works the hardest. He does not have the most skill on the Oilers team at all, like I would say. He's now tied for the team lead in goals because he works hard. He has a great hockey IQ. He goes to the dirty areas, the front of the net. He keeps his stick on the ice. And you saw that. He gets rewarded with two goals yesterday, Mm -hmm. simple ways. Sometimes when it's not going, you just got to throw it on net, make something happen. And look at that in the third period. We got the momentum going and... It's that it's that little bit of hope that these Oilers give you, right? They can play for 40 minutes and do nothing that you want them to do, nothing right. And then mm-hmm. that 20 minutes in the third period, you're like, man, if they could just trap that in a bottle and do that every game, we'd be in a playoff spot in no time. But for some reason, playing a full 60 like that, just it just doesn't come naturally to the boys. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's funny, we get texts in right now, one 1440 JCD says, LOL, they were playing a team that wasn't trying because they had a huge lead. Archie says, it's not that the Oilers played great in the third last night, it's just that Carolina took their foot off the gas. Well, you know, I don't agree with those texts because at times in the third period, Carolina did have some pushback. But if you play, that, that's the difference. If you play as hard as you did in the third period for the entire game, the results are going to be there. Uh, that's why I disagree with Archie and JCD, sorry. But we still haven't seen that. That was the Oilers' best period of the year. But go back. Do you remember the second game of the year, uh, Boardsy, when they played Vancouver after the 8-1 loss, that first shift of the game? I mean, that was a total domination. They scored. Leon Dreisaitl scores. So they haven't been able, and we talked about this yesterday, connecting shifts, connecting three, four, five shifts together. And sometimes you have to give credit to the other team, but don't say that they're letting off. It's because you are outwilling them. You're outwilling yeah, them. I also, I also say that like both of those things can be true to some extent, right? Like the Edmonton Oilers came out in that period immediately. They meant business. I was... Just I was broken, broken man on my couch. And then you see that start and I lean forward and I'm like, oh, we can do this. Mm-hmm. We can do this. Now, do I think Carolina kind of maybe let off the pedal? Sure. Like that's that's natural. That's human nature. Both things can be true. The Oilers played well. There is something that happened there in that third period. Once again, we've seen good third periods from them this year. We've seen, I mean, it's been few and far between, but mm-hmm. Do am I confident that they're gonna be able to carry that over to the next game? That's the thing, is no, not really. I'm sure on the next pregaming tomorrow at noon, I'll give you all the reasons mm-hmm. to be hyped. Little little shameless plug right there. Yes. But uh <laughs> but uh I mean we'll see, man. This this year I always I keep saying on the show, so I have a, my grandfather. Like you said, I'm born in ninety-five. Yep. I am that generation of oiler fan that you just described, where I want guys who work hard and I feel like I just don't at least right now, have that. I want a team of Zach Hyman's. Mm-hmm. I want to clone Zach Hyman and get him out there 20 times on the ice. But uh, my grandfather, who's lived in Edmonton his entire life, saw every cup, saw everything, he texted me live on one of the shows. I think it was on Monday. And he said, Aaron, it's over. 
I don't want to say it, but the season's over. We're not making the playoffs. Mm. It's not happening. And that broke me more than anything. I can handle guys in the chat. Yeah. I can't take my grandpa. He doesn't quit. He doesn't yeah. quit. So pre-gaming with Boardsy tomorrow at noon, what's that? Like you, you don't get too many, well, weekday, I guess, one o'clock starts here. So what's it going to be like for you tomorrow here? Yeah, exactly. Well, it actually means I get to do one less show because I produce Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Ramchuk. Yep. But that one normally goes at noon. So now I'm just replacing that one. But yeah, it's gonna be a good time. We're also at the Nation on this very on our very YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Oilers Nation YouTube channel. We're doing a watch party tomorrow Ooh. during the game for Betway. We did right. one a couple weeks ago where you just get to come in the chat. We'll all be there, mic'd up, watching the game, unfiltered. So you get you get to see the real boards, or you get to see me throwing <laughs> stuff all over the place, saying what I say, and uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. Everybody in the office tomorrow. So how then, sca- uh, how scary and- is the real boardsy? <laughs> hey, <laughs> you don't want to know, man. We're sponsored by Crown Royal too, so <laughs> hey, you gotta look out. You know. You well, I'm know. surprised that you don't have the Duke Brandon Douglas on that show. Then, big Crown Royal hey. guy. Hey. Douglas, you can come anytime. You can come pregame anytime, brother. Except uh, sometimes they. Well, I guess Douglas, he just does this and then the fantasy show. Yeah, he's free by the time, oh, man. No, oh, he's, he's got, got other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> We're not a bunch of, you know, it's not just one and done around here, uh, Boardsy. We're going hard all day, man. That's right. That's right. There you go, boys. Okay, well, uh, anything you want to add for tomorrow just to, to let uh, the Oilers Nation know what's going on? Um, just a little bit of that. Yeah. So I'll be going live on the YouTube channel at noon, do a little pre-gaming. I'll get you set everything you need to know, line combos, storylines, betting lines. Oh baby, we can win some money together. Mm-hmm. We can do a little squad ride. Then we're doing the Betway watch party during the game. You can just keep it locked on the Oilers Nation YouTube tomorrow, and you'll be covered for hours of entertainment with this ugly mug right here. Oh. All day long just a appreciate ha- you having me on just a like handsome that. man boardsy a handsome man i don't know about that but i appreciate it i appreciate it this is radio right <laughs> I can't, I can't. thanks buddy thanks for coming on we'll talk to you soon yeah, no problem man that's uh, aaron bordado pre-gaming with boardsy on oilers nation so that'll be up uh, tomorrow afternoon with that afternoon game against uh, washington that's the puck report brought to you by fountain tire head to fountaintire.com to check out their winter tire lineup plus Ask about seasonal tire storage as well. We're getting to that uh, time of the year where you better get your uh, grips on because it's going to start turning a little colder. But, man, we've had great weather. Uh, When we come back, we've got tons of text, too. A lot of people not agreeing with me. Uh, A lot of people are. So maybe it's right in the middle. I don't know, Duke, if that's good or bad. Uh, Plus, at the top of the hour, Mark Spector and Ladislav Schmid. It's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. (laughs) <laughs> All right, welcome back to the big program. Duke, it must be hard to find a Brian Adams song every day to, you know, that you want to try to mesh in. I know that's what you try to do every day is you, whatever the topic is, like, you know, for Frank, we have Philadelphia Freedom. For another guest, like, we, you know, uh, yesterday with Hankel, we had uh, Heads Carolina, Tails California, you know. So you try to find something, uh, like a little bit of a, a connection, so with Brian Adams, you must be running out for this 740 break every day because you're trying to, I guess, calm the waters, the Oilers' woes. I don't know. You're trying to tie 
tie that song to the mood of Oilers Nation, I guess. Yeah, and that's difficult because, uh, as we said uh, previously, most of Brian Adams' songs are so, at least the ones people know, <laughs> are, are so upbeat and fun and keep the party going. Not usually or has not often been the mood here on uh, mornings following Oilers game days. Uh, and as that one, which is one of my favorites, uh, somebody says the Oilers, uh, they do need somebody. Uh, <laughs> but who knows what that is, whether it's uh, a new general manager, a new goaltender, a new... Uh, Savior, because uh, <laughs> our, our current one uh, in 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 McJesus we trust. Um, people are losing faith. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, uh, frustration still continues to ring out, uh, especially after what we saw in the third period last night. Text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. All right, Brad, let's get into it. Brad says, please don't start with the losers' lament. I've never heard an Oilers fan complain about the refing when they win. Brad, I never said that. So pay attention to what I said. All I said is that the standard of the refing was not consistent last night. I said the reason the Oilers lost last night was not the refing. But think about it. Look at some of the calls that were made, not made. The standard was set. It wasn't maintained. And there were some calls last night that you made made you raise your eyebrows, Duke. Yeah, the, what you're saying here, Kevin and Brad, is kind of missing is that you can say the refing was poor, but it's not the reason the no. Oilers lost. Both can be true at the same time. Yes. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, whether it be McDavid's interference call, that was uh, pretty pretty soft. Mm-hmm. And there's some other things that got missed on both teams, right? It was I, I agree with you, Kevin. It was just a bad standard, and then the refs kind of, lost control of the game. There are a lot of scrums, a lot of uh, post-whistle interactions, and eventually you got to start pulling guys out, and they kind of went about it the wrong way, in my opinion. But like you said, far and away, not the reason the Oilers lost no. the game. Their, their play in the first period, two periods, however you want to look at it, are, is is a bigger yes, factor in them bigger. coming away with a loss last night. All right. Then Brad comes back at me and says, best period of the year, which I said the third was, and the score in the third is tied. And then Brad goes... Hmm. Well, Brad, did you watch the game? So, yeah. I guess the score in the third period was 1-1. An empty net goal that Carolina scored. The Oilers held the play, pushed the play, were on the puck more, won more puck battles, scored a big goal to make it 5-3, were still in the game. They were the better team. You can say, and our, our, a couple of other texters, Archie JCD, said that Carolina took the foot off the gas. And I do agree with Borgie to an extent. Both can happen. But if you play like you did in the third all the time or for the better part of, better part of a game, you will have success. They were the better team in the third period. It was their best third period, best period of the year, in my opinion, even though it was a 1-1 on the scoreboard with an empty netter. Uh, text... Matt says the worst thing that happened to this team was trying to change the neutral zone, defensive zone coverage. The team looks like they are afraid of making mistakes. Uh, They look disjointed in all zones. Fair comments. Um, We're going to get, do we have uh, uh, Coach K's comments? Duke loaded up. Uh, This is from postgame last night. And one of the things that resonates, I guess, with Chris Knobloch, and he's been thrown into the fire here, man. Holy smokes. Is the fact that he says, we had nothing to lose in the third period. Maybe that's why we had our best period. So here's Coach K after the game last night. Coach, uh, you and your players talked about perhaps putting a full 60 together. Where's the concern level at when you kind of start as slow as you did tonight? Um, yeah, no, we didn't give ourselves any favors there. Um, made it harder for us. Uh, 
and I just see a lot of guys who who are working hard, do care, um, are so worried about making mistakes, and ultimately, it's paralyzing us and holding us back, yeah. and um, just not playing with our instincts. And um, yeah, we just have to get away from it. And you see, on the third period where we had nothing to lose. We just went out there and played a really simple game. We were fast and um, very direct, and um, we dictated um, a lot of the play. So we just have to um, more of that. Coach, you talked about uh, making mistakes. How do you maybe coach that out of your group? Um, I don't know if there's, well, there's coaching as in the, the systems, make sure everyone's doing the right things and being in the right spots. and. Whoever has the puck, he knows his outs and he knows where his support is so he can make those plays. So I guess the coaching part is um, getting those guys in the right spots. But a lot of it's just uh, feel. Um, knowing when to hold the puck and what the next play is going to be. Um, but if we can get all the guys together, moving in sync, and that'll certainly um, reduce the um, mistakes. That second intermission, was there anything sort of specifically said or just a, a realization that we got 20 minutes to try and get back into this and that's why we saw what we saw from your team? Um, yeah, no, there was a message. It was, it was simple, it was direct with the, the guys. And um, whether it was what I said or probably one of the leaders, what they said, um, you know, I think they just put the first 40 behind. And um, like I said, there was nothing to lose. You know, there was very difficult to come back in a game like that. But... I thought we had every opportunity to. Um, we had a lot of good scoring chances, and um, their goalie made some saves. And you know, we had a little opportunity there at the end of the game. Unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, puck on the faceoff. But um, you know, there's there's things to build off of uh, from the third period. What did you make of the Darnell Nurse situation? Uh, kind of what you knew about it. If you expected him to be out there, it was a bit of a crazy warm up into the beginning of the game, anyways. Um, yeah, it was very ironic that um, I was just the night before, two nights before when we were in Florida, um, I asked Stewie if how long or if he ever, if he never wore a helmet for warm-ups. And he said, no, I always wore a helmet uh, for that. And um, yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, just puck, and we saw it on the video, or puck came off the crossbar straight into him. Um, and... Um, yeah, we had a player come down and had him on call you know, in case we um, we were going to dress him. And um, yeah, he obviously had some stitches and some some work done, and he uh, was able to come out after the first shift. That's Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch following last night's game. And yeah, we never even got to what happened before the game. Darnell Nurse takes one off the schnoz, and. Uh, then he's got the zipper going above the eye, so he gets stitches. He's got the bandage over. He's got the uh, basically the wigglies stuffed up his nostrils that you would find at the pool side, uh, condensed up so you can uh, jam those up there. It wasn't very pleasant, not a lot of fun. And then Stuart Skinner. I mean, you saw the video. I mean, he's trying to stop and maybe go down on his pads before the red line. Falls almost takes out Kachetkov, almost takes out another guy, and has to laugh. Everyone's laughing at him. He's trying to get back into the Oilers' zone for a warm-up. You know who Schlepprock is, Duke? Schlepprock? Schlepprock. 
Is that Schlemdog no, Millionaire's no, cousin? No, no, it's close to it. But that's what this team is right now as well. There's there are a bunch of schlep rocks. There's a bunch of schlep rocks with this team. Uh, for the younger viewers, there used to be an old cartoon called the Flintstones. <laughs> schlep rock was a guy that was in the with Fred Flintstone, Barney Rubble, and a dark cloud hung over this guy. And for years, for decades, if you are a person that is associated with bad luck, associated with anything that is not going well, you are called a schleprock. When we come back, top of the hour, Ladislav Schmid will be with us in studio 8 to 10 every Thursday. Mark Spector joins us, uh, just boarding a plane for Washington. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. Before that time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location. Get 50% off wings. If Mark Leavers is there, he'll buy you a beer too. I promise. But he won't be there. Here's Brandon Douglas, the Duke of Delburn.